Chapter Six of David Wark Griffith, A Brief Sketch of His Career, by Robert Edgar Long. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Six, Early Biograph Days. The Adventures of Dolly paved the way for a series of photoplays that startled the film world into a sudden awakening it blazed the trail for bigger and finer things and established griffith as the most eminent director in the profession but griffith's paths were not the flower-strewn lanes usually associated with men of achievement it has been said a man may realize the high standards of his success by the number of enemies he creates by this criterion, the numerical strength of the Griffith opponents might have compared favorably with the potency of the United States Standing Army. This man Griffith will ruin the whole industry by his silly stunts, came from rival producers who visited the Biograph studio. You are queering our business, was the statement from the committee of exhibitors our patrons are beginning to think this fellow griffith is the only man who knows how to make pictures and they won't fall for the other stuff get him to make his pictures like the others do as the money was coming in faster every day the answer from the biograph officials generally was to the effect that the company would take a chance if griffith spelled ruin the management could stand a lot more of the same kind of disaster. And Griffith went on making pictures, greater, more transcendent pictures than even he realized were possible. So zealously did the biograph guard the mystery surrounding the players in Griffith's pictures that, for fear other concerns might tempt them away, no names were allowed to be published even griffith's name never appeared on any of his pictures mary pickford one of the first players discovered and trained by griffith was not known to the outside world by any other name than little mary an affectionate title bestowed upon her by a devoted public not even the distinction of being known by face was Griffith's right. It is extremely doubtful whether a single motion picture patron in those days knew there was a man named Griffith producing the startlingly new and novel pictures crowding the theaters throughout the country. But Griffith was content to go on discovering talent and training it in the right direction. And what talent! A roster of the old biograph looks today like a who's who of filmdom. There was Mary Pickford and her brother and sister, Jack and Lottie, Robert Heron, then a property boy, but now one of Griffith's bright particular stars, Lillian and Dorothy Gish, mere kitties then, neighbors and playmates of Mary Pickford, who brought them to Griffith. Blanche Sweet, Marion Leonard, now retired and married to S.E.V. Taylor, William and Thomas Jefferson, Raoul Walsh, Arthur Johnson, 
who has passed the beyond leaving a record as one of the greatest actors who ever walked before a camera owen moore may marsh florence lawrence dorothy bernard henry b Walthall, alice joyce mabel normand miriam cooper charles Ensley, lionel barrymore courtney foote kate bruce james kirkwood mary alden hattie dolero harry carey george nichols spottiswood aiken the list might continue infinitely with the names of those whose brilliance has lighted the heavens of the photoplay world there were donald crisp dell henderson edward delora max sinnett frank powell w christie caban their knowledge of directing has developed from the lessons learned under griffith <laughs> and what productions true not especially notable if judged by the standards of today but in their own little city of endeavor they were the woolworth building of the biograph the washington monument of fourteenth street there were the red man and the child with mary pickford an unseen enemy with lillian and dorothy gish ingomar with florence lawrence when Pippa Passes, The Blot on the Scutcheon, Enoch Arden, Fighting Blood, Friends, A Mender of Nets, The Sealed Room, Silent Paths, The Sands of Dee, A Drunkard's Reformation, Taming of the Shrew, Lines of White of a Sullen Sea, that boy from the poorhouse for the sake of the son of the house the fatal wedding classmates lena and the geese all on account of the milk with the enemy's help oil and water the list seems inexhaustible many half-real pictures there were those were the days of two pictures a week and it was something of a struggle to get them out, especially at a time when nearly everyone was calling the master director an idiot. Not only calling, but actually believing. And then came Judith of Bethulia, with Blanche Sweet. This was Griffith's first lengthy picture. It was, Shades of Intolerance and Hearts of the World, a four-reel production. What a commotion it caused. One actor came rushing into the office of J.J. Kennedy, president of the Biograph, and hysterical with excitement, shouted, What do you know about this? I was working in a scene directed by that blankety-blank Griffith, and he sent out and had a piano wheeled out onto the stage with a pianist to play for us. Said it would help us he's a fool of course griffith was a fool just as william james was a fool in daring to think that music would assist acting in its psychological effect no one dreamed he would get any results from his experiment just as no one expected a four or five reel picture much less a twelve reel such as the birth of a nation 
Neither did Griffith dream it. He knew. All producers know it now, and all registering of emotion usually has its accompaniment of instrumental or vocal music. The very finest artists are engaged for this work, which is considered one of the most valuable aids to the picture in expressing the spirit and feeling of a given mood, whether it be of joy or grief or love or hate or fear. With the success of Judith of Bethulia came brighter, happier days for Griffith. His own personal comfort had been assured some time before, when he moved from his humble quarters in a rooming house and established his residence at the Hotel Astor. His paths became more of pleasantness and peace and his travels rendered less tiresome by the acquisition of a motor car. When the penurious management of the biograph would refuse to advance sufficient sums for a particular expensive trip to Newport to secure some especially magnificent scene Griffith wanted, he would dig down into his own pockets and supply the necessary cash for himself and his players, and not a penny of it ever appeared on an expense account. Why? Because Griffith knew he had a winning hand. He knew he was playing a safe game. He was a gambler playing for the highest stakes a man can play for, his life. It meant life or death to Griffith, professionally, to achieve what he had started to achieve. But he knew that fortune and fate each was looking over his shoulder, each watching with approbation or disapproval every move he made on the checkerboard of achievement. All the money he spent from his own salary merely helped to pay the fare on the limited train he had boarded to carry him to his niche in the Hall of Fame. Now that he has arrived safely, the world is paying his fare for him. Newspapers by this time were voluntarily beginning to notice biograph pictures and were declaring them far superior to any others that were being shown. Griffith's activities were moved from the old studio in 14th Street out to a larger and more commodious quarters on East 175th Street. The quality of the pictures attracted the attention of the General Film Company, and the biograph was absorbed by this corporation. Some idea of the value of the product turned out by Griffith may be gained from the published statistics on the earnings of the capital stock of the Motion Picture Parents Company, an adjunct of the General Film Company, showing 1,700% on the investment. But the star to which Griffith had hitched his wagon beckoned a welcoming twinkle, and with the finishing of Judith of Bethulia, he closed the biograph book and bade farewell to the studios, where, for five years, he had fought a battle against the most insidious opposition and won. End of chapter six.